My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. If you've been paying close enough attention to the Sunday Gospels between last week and this, you might be thinking, what a difference a week makes. Could there be a more devastating blow to someone's ego to have Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, turn around and call you Satan? Put yourself in Simon Peter's shoes or sandals. The verses right before this, which we heard last Sunday, but happened immediately before this encounter. Remember what happened? Simon Peter was the star pupil. He was like the apostle of the month. Jesus was making it clear that Simon Peter gets it. Simon Peter's heart and mind are right. He's been cooperating with God's grace and revelation. He had just responded to Jesus' question, who do you say that I am as the Christ? the son of the living God. And that's why Simon had his name changed to Peter. In scripture, it's, it's a big deal when God changes your name. It's highlighting that something new, something different has happened, that the person was entering into a different relationship with God and how they were gonna be seen and operating in this world. And Jesus was not just commending the growth and faith that Peter had experienced that brought him to that moment, but his openness in in receiving God's revelation. So Jesus not only changed his name to indicate that he was being entrusted with these new responsibilities, but he spells them out exactly what they were, highlighting that the name Peter means rock, and that the church that Jesus is going to establish would be built on the rock of Simon Peter. So it's all huge. And now, mere moments later, we hear the rock being called Satan, by Jesus. It's devastating. Or at least that's how I often thought about this scene. 
But just sitting and praying with this, I kind of had a different feel for it this time. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I'd ever want Jesus to look at me and say, get behind me, Satan. Definitely not a life goal. But when you dig a bit bit deeper, (laughs) you can hear and you can see the, the depth of love between Jesus and Simon Peter here. Peter's heart is in the right place. He means well. He always means well. And we often hear because of that how often he messes up. Just a few weeks ago, the Sunday Gospel was a, was a perfect example of that. We had reflected on the passage where right after Jesus had fed over 5,000, after miraculously multiplying five loaves and two fish, Jesus had gone off to pray and he sent the apostles out in the boat ahead of him. And as the disciples are journeying on the sea, they encounter this terrible storm that threatens to capsize the boat. Jesus walks on water, miracle number one, and everyone on the boat is terrified. They're thinking it's a ghost. Everyone except Simon Peter. He's the one who says, if it is you, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. Why did he do that? Because Simon Peter knew what Jesus was capable of. He knew Jesus' voice. He had looked into his eyes. Peter would never forget the day that he, he left his life as a fisherman behind to go follow him. The day when, after a night of catching no fish at all, at Jesus' command, he caught such an abundance that the boat almost sank. Another amazing miracle. So now in this boat, Peter's professing his faith in Jesus and putting himself on the line for all the others who were there with him in that same storm-rattled boat but at that moment, we're overwhelmed by fear and doubt. And Peter experiences that miracle where he walks on water. But just as quickly, just as Peter is walking on the water, as soon as he stops looking at Jesus, because he starts to pay attention to all the wind and the sea, and he starts to let the fear and doubt distract him, he starts to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And once again, he's testifying to his belief that Jesus can do that. And Jesus does save them, but he adds, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The point is, what makes Simon Peter Simon Peter is that he's not guarded, he's not calculated, he's just honest, and he's not fragile. He doesn't melt down when he gets any criticism or storm off in a huff. Jesus and Peter are two men whose love for each other is strong enough that they can be themselves and be completely transparent with each other. So when Jesus says, you a little faith, why did you doubt? Peter doesn't get defensive and launch and say, well, I didn't see any of the other guys trying to step out of the boat. Simon Peter knows the truth and he doesn't miss it. He did have little faith. And that was good. It made it possible for him to walk on water. But for Simon Peter to keep walking on water, so to speak, to fulfill the potential that Jesus saw in him. He knew that he needed greater faith. And that's what's happening in today's gospel. After being entrusted with all these greater responsibilities, Simon Peter listened to Jesus share some really brutal prophecies about what was awaiting him in Jerusalem. Maybe Simon Peter couldn't reconcile that Jesus, who is so clearly the Son of God, would experience that type of rejection. 
Maybe Simon Peter's thinking, Jesus doesn't think these disciples can mount a defense, but he would whip them into shape. Whatever it was, his reaction, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall happen to you, is beautiful. You hear his, his care, his concern, his shock. It reminds me, some friends of mine had this little kid who was in first grade at the time, and they were watching Jesus of Nazareth on the television. And the scene where Jesus and Pilate are there and Pilate's interrogating Jesus and says, are you the king of the Jews? And the little guy who's seen the movie before and knows the story was whispering, lie, Jesus, lie. We don't want anyone we love to be mocked, to be rejected, to suffer. So on that level, Peter's reaction is beautiful. But so is Jesus's reprimand. Because as abrupt and as dramatic as it is, Jesus knows that he can speak like that to his right-hand man, demonstrating his care and his concern for Peter. Jesus is trying to get Peter's heart and his mind focused. Peter's authority as the rock isn't about him doing things his way. It's solely in him remaining completely fixated and listening to Jesus, following his example, recognizing Peter needs to channel his passion, his instincts, his personality, and be more intentional and careful with them. Not to abandon those things, not to become something he's not, but to redirect them. He needs to ask himself, is his first thought, his reaction, what I want, or is this what Jesus wants? It's like Jesus is saying to him, this is just like when you were on the water. Don't look at the waves. Don't look at the wind. Keep focused on me. That's how Jesus speaks to Simon Peter. If we reflect on, on the other disciples, you see that Jesus relates to each of them differently, just like any intimate friend does with their friends. He knows and he loves them. John, the beloved disciple, probably would have melted if Jesus called him Satan. So Jesus is going to always approach and deal with him differently, but always, always to the same end and with the same goal in mind, coming and calling all of his disciples to greater fidelity, which is focused on him and him alone. Today, I think we're, we're challenged with asking ourselves, how open are we to receiving direction from the Lord? Do we trust that Jesus knows us and that Jesus loves us? Like John, the beloved disciple, or Simon Peter, do we know that Jesus looks at each of us with love? That he sees who we are, where we are. He knows what we're struggling with. But he loves us authentically so that he doesn't want us to miss our potential. He loves us genuinely so that he knows we always have to turn away from sin and grow in holiness. Are we willing to receive and reciprocate? Make the sacrifices necessary to love as he loves? In short, are we ready to carry the cross? And for each of us, that cross is going to look different. The sacrifice you're being challenged to accept, the selflessness you're being asked to offer, the pain that you're offering up, is going to be different from everyone else. That's going to be your way of sanctification in your life. Don't fall for the lies of the devil who likes us to get caught up in comparing ourselves with others, 
either to make us feel better for the little that we are doing, nor feeling defeated when we see the heroic examples of someone else. All those comparisons, all they do is keep us fixated and living and operating on a very worldly level, which St. Paul so beautifully tells us in that second reading today. Don't conform yourselves to this age. Be transformed by adhering to God's word and his commands. Simon Peter shows us in this gospel it's a constant battle that we're going to be confronted with because our human impulses and our instincts are going to constantly kick in. We're going to be tempted to revert back to our old ways and habits. But now, St. Peter, St. John, St. Paul, they're all praying that we will find the courage and that inner strength we need to listen to Jesus, to follow him, and just to embrace our cross. And when we do, then these words of Pope St. John Paul II are fully realized. He said, when the cross is embraced, it becomes a sign of love, of total self-giving. To carry it behind Christ means to be united with him in offering the greatest proof of love. The choice is between a full life and an empty existence, between truth and falsehood.